Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today it's my pleasure to welcome Joe Cox of Pop Marketer. Joe is going to talk about the cross-section of gaming and popular culture, how gaming has affected his life. We're going to give a lot of examples too of how brands can and have activated in the metaverse. Don't miss this episode with Joe. Drop in the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the DLC, DLC Drop, Drop Podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. It is my pleasure to welcome the pop marketer, Joe Cox, to the show. Thank you for being here, Joe. Yeah, it's my absolute pleasure. I have wanted to be on this show for quite a long time. I'm I'm super psyched. It's you're you're on my curated podcast list of Thank pop you. culture stuff, so I can keep up with you know tons of different things. But whenever I'm keeping up with esports in the gaming world, DLC pod, you know we're 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 here. The drop is the drops here. I appreciate that, and uh, you know. Part of why um, the podcast is probably on that list is because I've been very fortunate to have incredible guests, both inside and outside of esports. And you are one of these incredible guests. And you were gracious enough to have me on your show first. You extended that very gracious offer to me. Tell everybody about your podcast so we can make sure that uh, we get some people subscribed to you as well. Yeah, I do the same thing. Half the reason for the Pop Marketing Podcast, which you can find anywhere that you listen to podcasts, pretty much. Uh, half the reason I do that is just to keep myself sharp. You know, there's a yeah. lot of, there's a lot, especially in the world of popular culture, always moving, always shifting. And, you know, it's an important part of the job to keep to keep up, right? And can't do it by yourself. Can't keep up with everything yourself. So it's, you, get, you know, get it straight from the tap, get it straight from the people that are out there doing it every day. And that's where, that's where the ideas come from. Exactly. So let's kick it off here. Why don't you tell our audience, what is pop marketing for those who aren't familiar? Yeah, sure. I, my career started out, uh, what I what I later came to understand was kind of a non-traditional way in the world of marketing. So I had kind of jumped out of school and immediately jumped into this, this weird little brand that was coming from Europe that wanted to like extend from Europe into North America. And I had no idea what like an energy drink, no one had an idea what an energy drink was <laughs> or what a utility drink was. And not only that, but they were wanting to, you know, charge like five times what a Coke costs and oh, put it in a smaller can. That could so never work. That could never so work. European. It's still a toast. Let um, me ask you, you one question. On Let me ask you, did it give you wings? It gave, yeah, it certainly gave me wings, right? Like, so it really, the idea of pop marketing started from, from really where my career started. I learned everything from Red Bull. Wow. It's like my marketing Bible and it's still going today. It's still, it's still applicable of how to activate a, a brand in a way of, uh, how you work with culture, how to understand popular culture. And then over like 15 years of working within Red Bull and then Coca-Cola uh, and then agency side with tons of different kinds of brands, everything from candy to video games to you name it. I really started seeing like I wasn't doing traditional I wasn't doing 30 second spots, right? Uh, which kind of sounds duh now, but at the time <laughs> it was very different. You What's know, a 30 to, second yeah. spot, dad? Exactly. All exactly. I know is the pre-roll YouTube advertisements that I see uh, and influencer posts, right? Yeah. And we, and it took a while to get to that, to the space we're in now, but the idea was I wasn't doing media buys. It was more of doing cool stuff. Mm -hmm. And then telling people about said cool stuff more so than 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 putting out traditional marketing messages and, uh, uh, you know, digital media buys out there. So after, I don't know, you know, 15 years of doing that, this idea really came up to say, oh, what we're really doing is helping brands 
uh, find their on ramps into mm-hmm. popular culture and yeah. and ideate from popular culture. Like, how do you kind of get to a spot to where, you know, you're not just saying stuff to say stuff, but you're saying stuff when you have something to say. Like, what yeah. are those points in popular culture where you're like, dude, this is ours. This is the thing we need to jump in on. The DLC Drop podcast is sponsored by iShaker. I've been a huge fan of this brand for the past few years, ever since I met founder Chris Gronkowski. What I love about this product is the brand story, the functionality, and the customization. iShaker is a Shark Tank company invested in by Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez, owned by NFL players Rob Gronkowski and Chris Gronkowski. I love using my ice shaker anytime I'm driving to the podcast studio, I'm going skateboarding, or I'm at the gym. No matter what I'm doing, it just does a great job of keeping my drinks hot or cold. The customization for ice shaker is something that's super unique. You can get any name, just about any logo engraved onto your ice shaker and delivered to you within just three to five business days. Get your own DLC Drop branded ice shaker at icesaker.com forward slash DLC Drop. Save 20% on all ice shaker products with the discount code DLC Drop. Well, I think it all comes down to relevance, right? Because I think the biggest part of influencer marketing is the relevance of an influencer to the audience. And so when you're talking about popular culture, that's what is relevant, especially with youth. And... Uh, I, I, th- I think when you, you talk about what you add to a marketing team or a brand, that media buy expertise it's, is typically in-house or there's typically a media buying agency. And so you're augmenting that with saying, hey, guys, d- don't, necessarily, don't necessarily stop all of your <laughs> traditional marketing approaches, but let's add this or let's see it through this lens that's very unique. And through your experience, you've been able to facilitate that from a, what I understand. Yeah, it's a killer point. And totally right on. Do not not to do the, the 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 thing the media the media buy. We really need something to get the message out there, and then people to connect with, right? To be yeah. able to to be able to see, and something that really grabs somebody when they're ready to buy, or when they already kind of have you in this great emotional spot where you're like, oh, cool. Next time I need X, I'm gonna go after this thing. Like we need that. But really, you're totally right on. My my role with working with a brand even today is really like how do we see those other opportunities in a world mm-hmm. in a world where the contract between like the the, the content people want to watch mm-hmm. right the people the stuff that people want to watch and the advertising has completely been like demolished right like right. no longer it used to be such a killer trade because you'd be like dude i'm gonna give you all this television all this free content all the x files you can eat (laughs) right for free and then all we're asking for is a couple minutes here and there right and it was a really great contract but the internet the age of the feed and the age there's no lines anymore right well back then too you didn't have a second screen to compete with right And people didn't have to go to the bathroom at every commercial break. But I was very fortunate to have somebody pretty significant on the podcast a month or two ago, Brad Jakeman, former global uh, president of the beverage group for PepsiCo. And so it was really fun to pick this guy's brain. And one thing that he shared with me, he said, we should not gate content that people want to see with content that they don't want to see. (laughs) (laughs) And especially now that you have this group of young people who demand more from brands, like they do not respond well to you're keeping me from the thing I love. They respond well to you're enhancing your experiences. You're giving me more of what I want to do because of your brand than I could have on my own. Right. And so my whole thing is all about enhancing experiences. I tell brands coming to the esports space if it's not better as a result of your brand for the fans, you shouldn't be in it or your strategy isn't ready. What has kind of your, been your experience with that perspective? And do you de- agree or disagree? Yeah. I mean, couldn't be up more right. Right. Like it's, it's something that I think we're just going to have to keep saying until more 
brand, you know, listen. And I get, I get why, and we can get to that in the conversation of why it's tough a lot of times, but enhancing, it may really makes me think again, why I go back to the brand Bible of Red Bull and why it's, you know, it's helped me so much in my career. And that is one secret from kind of Red Bull marketing that in my, in my, you know, bag of tricks is always been this idea of bottom up marketing instead of top down, right. Mm -hmm. Instead of thinking that we have to crack the idea inside the ad agency with a bunch of creatives in a locked room with them, with, you know, and come up with this giant tada of like what this giant idea is versus this idea of like asking the community. Yeah. of getting into uh, just ask the question. The idea is out there already. They just haven't figured out how to bring it to life, right? Like the, a lot of the times. So it is very much understanding what you're on ramp. Like where is that space as a brand you can get into, let's say gaming, mm-hmm. like what is that place that makes the most sense for what your brand brings and, and what value you can put across to it. But also it's really you know, you don't have to come up with the end all be all idea. You know, you should really be spending some time getting to know the people that know that space better than anybody else. And then figuring out how can our brand help bring that to life? Like nobody else, how can we fund it and get through the red tape? Yeah. A lot of good points there. I think one is just understanding the pain points of the community. You know, that comes with being immersed in that culture or at the very least being super well connected to people who are super immersed in that culture, because especially as you (laughs) get older as a marketer, you may still, you know, touch some things, but just in your life, you're not going to be as immersed in esports and gaming um, as a college student, right? Just because of you know, you got to go to work, (laughs) you got a family to raise all these things. Um, So I think the biggest part, number one, is understanding what are the things that the community wants you to achieve. And then just having the humility to go to them and say, hey, what can we do? And then thirdly, I would just say, it costs money to do cool stuff. And as I got into this brand world and this agency world, I found out Man, you know how it's all the money? Brands. (laughs) Like, I've been in rooms where, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to increase the budget three, you know, 100K, you know, and at the time I I thought that was a huge number. But another room where I heard somebody say, I need to spend a million dollars before the end of the year. (laughs) And I was like, are you kidding me? And so if we can help brands understand, what those dollars that are already allocated that need to be spent, where they can go to enhance uh, the experience of the community to improve things, that's where you're really embraced, right? And then you just start to build on that. Yeah, and it really works. It, I have not seen it go into a place when you're doing that method, when you're really uh, immersing yourself, when you're re- building relationships inside whatever whatever part of culture that you're trying to really step into as a brand yeah, and take the time and the effort, you know, to, to, to invest into that side of it, to, mm-hmm. to, to find an answer and to ask the questions and to bring it from solving problems that are already going on inside the community or something that are not getting as much of that is always going to Trump, you yeah. know, coming up with that crazy, awesome idea that, may make sense for you and your brand, but not quite uh, go over to the community as something they need. Well, and sometimes you can get those echo chambers in in an agency and you all convince yourself that you're geniuses having never talked to the people who you're marketing to. And I would argue one shortcut, if there is a shortcut to investing in learning about communities, it's to hire someone like yourself, right? Someone who's a Sherpa, who has spent all this time gaining all this knowledge and experience. Why don't you share with our audience, what has your experience been in both gaming and pop culture and how that has influenced your perspectives today beyond your Red Bull experience? Yeah, it's kind of two different paths, right? When it comes to, you know, the mixing of popular culture and in marketing, one uh, is 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 in the past helping 
companies uh, get into popular culture. Like we talked about like that, what are, what are the on-ramps? Hey, we know that our consumer, we really want to step into music. We really want to step into gaming, but how do we even approach that? Right. Like that, that is, that's one side of it. But the other side of it that, that we don't, that to me, my idea, my business is ideas. Like Mm -hmm. most of the time it's really, and I don't, I don't have to come up with them. In fact, if you want to get real weird with it, I don't, I think that there are, that there's probably no original ideas at all. Like my job is really uncovering. Joe, I would disagree. And I would also add to that, that I have all the original ideas, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Like, and and yes, if I'm, if need be, I'll take, I'll, I'll take them. But you know, like the idea is, how do we mine popular culture? How do you mind gaming something that you're passionate about, that you love, that you're into? How do you really like frame that up to be able to mine popular culture and what's going on in the, in, in the world that you're trying to get into and, and make ideas out of that and bring ideas out of that. So turning something really rough and uncovering something that's like, Oh dude, did you know this person loves this and, you know, like this, this game's coming out and at the exact same time, mm-hmm. this thing's happening in the real world. Really our, our job is to just connect, right? Like yeah. make those connections. Well, that's having your finger on the pulse, right? Of just being aware of all what's happening, the, the dynamics and culture and being able to see those overlaps so that you can make something better together than they would be separately. Right. Yeah, that's right on. That's right on. And I and I will say it's pretty universal. And, and in my past, I have, you know, worked on AAA games and I have uh, done smaller stuff and everything from Roblox communities to to gaming uh, and then things that are gaming adjacent. Right? Sure. Like everything from, you know, from from sneaker culture to music and sports. Like right. we know that that's why this bigger having this bigger picture and 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 vision of popular culture in general is really helpful yeah. because yeah. it keeps you from being, you know, right up against something where you can't see the forest through the trees. Right. Like it allows you to see all those connection points that you might not think of, of like, yeah, gaming is this to somebody, but it's connected to a hundred different things outside right. of gaming that, that are possible opportunities. I love that too. I think one of the the big misses so far, you know, it's going to be capitalized at some point, but is footwear with, with gaming and especially with esports, there was a brand. I'm not going to throw shade, so I won't call them out by name, but uh, people probably get who it is. But I, I've seen a brand, a, a shoe brand, try to go deep into esports, and I just didn't really yeah. agree with the approach because they kind of tried to connect performance, like footwear performance, with gaming. And we all know that that's not a, a, a clear connection there. You're, you're sitting down playing a game, it doesn't matter how you know, the shoes performance. However, what I would say is shoes make you feel dope. Like I remember growing up skateboarding when I was doing demos and contests, I always would wear bright colored shoes. Cause I was like, man, there's something about a dude killing it in a demo or a contest. There's something else about a dude killing it with a fresh pair of kicks on that pop, you know, a little pop of color at the feet. And like when I wear cool shoes, I feel confident. I love rolling up to speak at an event on a stage with some nice kicks. And I believe that the right approach, you know, hey, everybody, this is a little bit of, you know, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like just marketing that confidence, that feeling, that vibe you have when you step into a set of Yeezys and you walk to that stage to murder the other team. You know, I think if you can capture that and convey that, that's going to sell some some more shoes than if you didn't. What's your What's your take on that? I mean, I can see how you would get there on the performance side, right? Like I can see how they would try to put there. It's like, hey, this has worked for kind of every sport. And now we're like, how do we get this over? But you're right. It feels like we know, we know, and we don't need to go there. Because what you're saying is really why I follow gaming culture in general and why I feel so so bullish on not only gaming in general staying within gaming but 
gaming's potential and as we know like its ability to to really be this birthplace of ideas and popular culture in general like this it's, right it's really an idea hotbed um uh but you know and i and i got myself off of the original idea really quick what were we going on <laughs> Oh yeah, we're going on footwear, footwear and gaming. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. So the footwear idea is perfect. the The one thing with gaming is identity. You know, right. like it's I, identity. So it's really not, especially when you come to esports, it doesn't need to be about performance. It's to your point. It's all about do do these speak to me? Does this speak to kind of the swagger of my team or my play style or how I? I present and then mm. lo and behold those collab opportunities are boundless and endless like that just kind of look and feel that yeah. is gonna that's gonna go over to the consumer too right like that's where you get into the influencers play as well it's like if that team is identifying with it and if you really get that kind of hey we're making a statement when we come in to mm-hmm. play right, right right like that's all you need you don't you don't need to you don't need to go beyond that or try to make a giant stretch to that. Yeah, I think you really hit on something there with identity as well. You know, uh, we know that young people identify digitally just as much as they do physically, and that's something that's very unique when you compare it to older generations. And why the metaverse is so powerful? Why Fortnite has made gazillions of dollars? purely on cosmetic items that do not make you better at the game. And so this is kind of a call out to brands to say, yeah, you know, rec- definitely embrace this identity approach, but embrace it both digitally and physically and find that mashup overlap between the two. Yeah. I mean, if you really want to talk to you, I think metaverse in general, every brand wants to talk about it. Trust me, because I'm out there talking to because <laughs> they're talking to you brands about it, yeah. all on it, and they just want more of it. But the tough part is getting to like what it is, right? Like what it's. It sounds great, sounds futury, but what is what is that? And I really want when I break it down for brands. I mean, I go straight to like, are you into gaming? <laughs> have you yeah. have you cracked into this because? ran on 3d engines any gamer is going to tell you right now like what is the big whoop about the metaverse i've been playing in it for a decade right like you know like they don't the rest of the world just hasn't caught up right and it's really identity i always break it down to say and and digital versus physical i always say like for metaverse only way i think about it is there are some really rad things in our physical world that we would like to have in our digital world because we're humans. And if we're going to spend a bunch of time over now, which we do into this digital world, I want to bring some of that over to that. And on vice versa, there's some really killer stuff in my digital world that really helps me efficiently get from place A to B or helps kind of organize my life that, wouldn't it be rad if that was overlaid inside my physical world? But I think you hit right. it right on on that digital space. Of course, identity. Of course, we're going to pay for that. Why do you think Gucci, every every brand on the planet that is, you know, into the more expensive stuff right. is going hardcore gaming, right? Mm-hmm. Because they see that opportunity of not only, you know, creating that generation of people understanding the their products before they actually can purchase it. But also seeing that opportunity of saying like, yeah, people want to flex. Yeah. Like in my, I talking about sneaker game, dude, my sneaker game during pandemic was blah. Didn't have anywhere, <laughs> didn't have anywhere to show them off. You know, that's right. Purchased. The zoom camera doesn't go to the feet, you know, it's too bad, which is a good invention. I think that could be the it. foot I'm cam. Sure. Foot cam just for kicks, just to like, you know, like let people know. You heard it here Um, first. Yeah, right. (laughs) So, so it's really to look in those spaces as a brand again and Epic, you know, Fortnite hits it right on the head. Right. Like you don't, it doesn't even have to make your player run faster or shoot further. Like you don't, it, it really can be everything of like just saying, I was here whenever this happened. That's a big one, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm OG, 
Yeah. So the only way I can get this skin or I can get this thing was if I was at this event, if I was here, whenever history happened and there was no other way I could get it. Yeah. Cause I don't yeah. know how many times I've played with, you know, everybody from teens to kids that whenever they're like, Oh, see that person. They're OG. Like they've been here like that. Oh yeah. Automatic respect because they have what I would consider to be a super normal skin that they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, they had to be season one for that. That's right. And that's true in every subculture, right? Like in my world of skateboarding, yes. we look at OGs based on like what you've done, what you've got, what you've experienced, those day ones, right? It's like, I've been here before it was cool, sort of a thing. I do want to work through something with you here because it actually just popped into my mind like right now in a way that I've never thought about it, which is one one of the things I really love about our conversations and why more brands and agencies should have conversations with you, my man. So essentially, I've always attributed the rise in esports over the last five, seven years in North America to youth marketing. Brands and agencies and traditional sports teams, they're seeing that participation, what they typically do is declining, right? Few people are watching traditional television, fewer young people are playing traditional sports, right? And so they say, what is everybody doing? And they do their research and it comes back and they say, everybody's playing video games. Well, it turns out that it is insanely difficult to integrate organically with a video game in a way that the uh, that the community responds to. Um, I always use the example of Red Dead Redemption 2. It's basically an Old West video game. And if you're anything other than a the Ariat boot company. I don't know how you are <laughs> integrating, you know, like Mountain Dew Game Fuel. My boy Vinny uh, works on their stuff, but uh, he's the smartest guy I know, but I don't think even he is figuring out how Game Fuel is integrating into Red Dead. So then they see esports and they see all these headlines, right? They say, oh, there's this event in Poland and like 100,000 people showed up over a weekend. And there's this league broadcast that more people than the Super Bowl globally, X, Y, Z. And so they say, I see familiar sponsorable assets, right? I see all this stuff I know in traditional sports that I can put my logo on. And because young people are more skeptical of brands coming into the space, especially for the first time, th- those typical kind of traditional old school strategies don't work. And then they have to learn what you teach them, of course. What just went through my mind is that the metaverse is the next level there. So you you identify gaming, which is huge. I think it's about $159 billion industry, if I'm remembering bigger correctly than, today. Bigger than music and Hollywood combined. Exactly. Just, you know, like if you want to talk culture-wise, right? Like 100%. Pretty big. Pretty big, pretty global. So you got this massive ecosystem and then you go down to esports, which is $1 billion. Mm-hmm. Still significant, but far smaller size of the prize than gaming as a whole. Well, if you can then go to Metaverse, which is the reason why you would want to you know, do activations and bring in the Metaverse, is because people are identifying digitally, like we've talked about. They want their, and their experiences to be digital. And then furthermore, this is something I just came across recently i'm I'm speaking at this conference this music conference we're talking about music the metaverse and the the mashup of the two yep. one of the thing about these uh concerts in the in games rocket league fortnite roblox is an ip issue so yeah. video game publishers own that ip and it is very well known throughout especially the esports ecosystem that the publisher owns that ip well in music they are also very aware of who owns that intellectual property right And so it is a lot easier to retain the rights of your IP if you're doing this in the metaverse on someone's platform that you negotiate, you retain that RIP, then to to convince Epic or Riot, you know, that you should have their intellectual property that they give to no one. Yep. So no, just, and it seems like a common, just a, a common sense extension of like, wait, I saw this big thing. Then I recognize the small, like shiny ball that gives me like the sponsorable opportunities. But wait, this next phase is once again the big thing that I can integrate into more easily. Do you? This is literally the first time I've thought this and said it out loud. So I want to get your your thoughts on. No, and I think that you see how hungry brands are to partner with gaming in general because they're not they're not blind. Like when you're a marketer, you're after attention. So you're after the consumer, like what has the consumer's attention? 
it's just been really hard to your point of how do I bring myself into a triple a game because the time is so tough, right? Like right. It's the, the commitment dollars on that and making games are freaking hard, Yes, uh, you know, and, and, and it, the timelines start matching up. And honestly, because there isn't a catchable ball, right? Like the brands are hungry for it. It's just hard for them to know how to come in. And that's where you look at Fortnite and like, look what happened once they opened up their eye to opened up and built in this ability to bring in skins, to bring oh, in yeah. IP. It's the only world where you can have a DC superhero yeah. fighting alongside of Marvel and fighting alongside oh. of old school, you know, a Nintendo character. And I've dealt with these IPs before. That's unheard of. Yeah. Like beyond beyond like that idea of using Disney characters in like kingdom hearts, which was like a completely nuts thing on the gaming end too, of like being able to use, put a, like a keyblade inside of Mickey Mouse's hand, which was like, how did you figure that one out? Cause nobody's done it. These yeah. are really hard to do, but they've built the, the plumbing mm -hmm. to allow these brands to be able to, to make these happen within their ecosystem. And the same goes for artists. Like the reason that they want, they will want to be part. If you think about music and, and gaming, mm -hmm. this is makes so much sense to the artist too, right? Like right. I get to make a deal with Roblox or because Spotify and Roblox, just big partnership as well in the last few weeks. Yep. But like I can make a live concert, um, get that out to millions of people. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, I don't have to have any of the cost as an artist of getting trucks <laughs> from here to there. I don't have, yep. there's so many things I can still get paid while, while making all this stuff happen without a lot of the real world pain. So in, right. in, my, in my career, I've always seen like those, once those easier paths are made, mm -hmm. it's like watch out. It's because when it's right for the artist, you know, and it's right for the brand and then the games have that built into them to where, right. hey, we can rinse and repeat or we can kind of build the same shell up and like make this happen multiple times, not just one offs. Like it's inevitable that we're going to see it, you know, over the next five years. Like yeah. event, events, concerts, uh, experiences that are, a, I mean, usually are like 30 minutes. I don't have to pay for parking. Yeah. I don't have to, you know, like I can still buy merch. Right. Well, and you can <laughs> see your favorite artists, even if they're not in your town. Right. I mean, there's see, a lot of people. The access who, to it. Exactly. The access is huge. Yeah. There's a lot of people who don't live in major cities who may never get to see their favorite artists because they're not making the stop by there. And I 100% believe that these live events will continue to happen, but I think there's going to be an addition of the metaverse uh, option will, where you're going to have... Because, I mean, there is something about live in person that just cannot be replicated. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, with the Esports Trade Association last year, we actually had our very first... Uh, we had the first industry conference that came back from COVID and there was such a halo effect around it just because we all saw each other in person. Yeah. We've been seeing each other on Zoom every single day, probably more than we ever had before, but there was no replacement for it. And so I think this is kind of a call out to brands and then also entertainers that, you know, still embrace that live event, but then find out how can you augment that with a digital metaverse type strategy that allows you to go beyond the the borders of those four walls where you're and, and differentiate it right so you yes you, you want to incentivize people to come to the live event especially if they're close and not stay home <laughs> but also for the people who are out there um do you have some ways in mind that people can augment or differentiate those live experiences with the digital I think that's number one is just understanding and say, and saying it out loud mm. that, Hey, we're going to spend a million dollars on the South by Southwest or this, like, like on this partnership or sponsorship of this event, mm -hmm. just the idea to say, Hey, 
let's use more, let's use that opportunity to be able to reach more people that I like, we've been trying to crack that code before, way before the pandemic to say, Hey, you only have 10,000 people in this event space. And there are so many people dying that would love to be a part of it. Like, how do you give them a role within that? How do you give them a peek with what's going on inside that? And if you look at you know, Comic-Con, it was a little rough in 2020, but like starting to come out of this of different fandoms. Um, we just had like Star Wars Celebration that ended like yesterday. But this idea of it's not just for the press inside of or the people inside of the event itself, but mm-hmm. offering access to everybody, every, having everybody get that to get as much as you possibly can. You still get the vibe of that like you could never you you can't just have a dead virtue it's tougher that way you want the energy of that live event just open the gates up and and bring that into your planning session what i see happen too often is brands will not bring that in until the end they won't that that needs to be from the very beginning in whatever you use whether it's a brief whether whatever that is it needs to be part of the question uh, the main question which is how do we make this event as rad as possible? And how do we bring in people that aren't able to be in that physical location? How how can we give them an experience, you know, on on top of that? And what has always been a tough one part too, that we never ask is how do we connect, reconnect with those people that were at that physical event? Right. How, How do we give them proof to, to kind of show off that and it does that's when you get into the identity play it's to validation like, right what digital goods can we give them so after the event they can be sporting the gear or what thing that only they could get if they were there with us at that event can we give them inside their digital worlds you know and that yeah. can spread from gaming or not gaming but you know like hey right now yeah, it all comes from the same place, right? It comes from the same mindset. And one thing, as I had started my career in esports at GameStop, and you know, I'm looking at what's been successful and what are cool ideas and what the community really responds to, one thing that really stuck out to me is the importance of validation. And the biggest thing about it is it's not hard to do. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be overthought. It just has to say, hey, you are worthy of this, you know, and your passions are worthwhile. And, you know, gaming, which has been overlooked or made fun of a lot, and kids who are really into gaming who have maybe not been picked, you know, on the team at recess and stuff like that. Like, there is such a desire that we all have for validation. This is a group that has been under-validated. And so if you can just help them feel that, that thing that has been missing throughout their experience oh they they embrace your brand like none other and now's the time i mean and i say this to any brands that i'm talking to especially ones and this is with with your help it's especially when you look at local like i'm not a global brand i'm a regional Mm -hmm. grocery or whatever it may be and i have a ton of money to be able to spend and i want to be able to get in front of these gamers now how do we do how do i do that right with without like I don't need to be marketing in other countries. I need to be right. marketing in this regional. And it really comes down to that opportunity of not only do we have franchises, now we have KC Pioneers here in Kansas City, mm-hmm. as well as every, and I tell people, every college yeah, has a team it. that needs to be validated. Mm-hmm. That is that is running on pure passion right now and who is making these killer events happen within themselves locally. Like they're putting and doing all the work. So if you want to look at a place to start helping and, and lend that hand where they, they think a small amount of any kind of money mm-hmm. <laughs> is, is huge. Right? Yeah. Like any support, but basically any validation to say, Hey, this brand, it wants to be able to help. There's so much opportunity right now, just because validation, we're still in that validation part of the part of the game, especially with esports. Exactly. One thing that I would say is, especially around collegiate, is it, it costs quite a bit of money to put on these tournaments. You know, I work with production companies and stuff. And so I, I've i done these pitches and I have received pitches and it's it's not cheap to put on an event. And there, there's a group of people, at least 25% of any group uh, in 
esports, they want to compete themselves. You know, they don't just want to go and watch everybody else. They want to compete. And so if you can allocate some brand dollars to enable people to have more opportunities to compete and then give them some sort of validation that uh, is on par with what we see in traditional sports, that's something that, that typically works pretty well because they say, wow, like I got an opportunity to play to compete against others when I wouldn't have otherwise. So-and-so funded this, right? So we wouldn't have had it other ways. Like it literally will not exist if the brands don't come in for this. That's like right. I, I was pitching a, a production package to a massive college league last week, actually. And they said, John, uh, we don't have a lot of budget for this. And if if you could get these prices done, we would do way more events, right? And so, but production companies have hard costs too. And That's so right. you, and labor is crazy right now. So it like, this is a call out to brands, like a, a very easy way with those brand dollars that you have allocated locally too. Even if you're not a, a, a global or a national brand, if you support these kids who want to compete, and then give them cool stuff inside and outside of the game. That's a win. Yeah. And guess what? This is that time when everything's building and it's not going anywhere. Right. So get in now and be that, be that supporter. A, you're going to learn a lot more about gaming. You're going to understand because I think that's why you need to get started no matter what is mm-hmm. because it's not something that I'm going to learn off of a, just one deck or like I'm going to go to a media partner and understand gaming. It's something yeah. that you've got to have your finger on the pulse of. And so if you're looking for that opportunity, what a great way to, you know, that value is on both sides. Like any good partnership is like, hey, you're helping them validate their sport and their passion and bring these events to life because they want to have more events. And and at the same time, you're learning and understanding more and have access now to this hive mind of really passionate gamers that are wanting to make sure you're in the right places and get the right killer ideas for your next, you know, as you grow. So it's just a great growing opportunity for brands. And yeah, I am surprised at how little I see those opportunities being taken, you mm-hmm. know, even, and, and, and scale is not a thing anymore. Like we're talking, I'm talking like every small school out there I'm seeing has got something going. Right. And right. a lot of times has really been a boon for the smaller college in general. Like there's, there's, everyone is, is really trying to bootstrap and bring this thing up and running. So it is a, I just see it as a really great opportunity that hasn't been hasn't been really flushed out um, inside the space. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, you know, one of my favorite, I know, actions, I guess, as a brand or an agency is just benchmarking other people who have done it well. You know, to say, look, these people did this, this, this. We can either replicate that, we can put our own twist on it, or that'll inspire something else. Can you give us one or two examples of? activations or marketing campaigns that you've seen brands do in this space successfully that you're a big fan of? Yeah. You know, I absolutely loved, and this got a lot of attention and I totally get that because it's a Wendy's, it's a Wendy's idea with Fortnite and everybody talked about it, but I will tell you from the gaming world, I think it's very, you've got to understand how it became so popular in the brand world, right? Yeah. Like it, it transcended, right? Whenever they came into Fortnite and actually did not spend a dollar, but were just killing all the refrigerators inside of the game <laughs> because it's on yeah. brand. It's on brand. It's geniusly on brand. Because, because they don't freeze their fresh, meat. And that's fresh, the part. Fresh never right? frozen. So uh, kill so all good. the freezers, right? Like, <laughs> And they understood like that. I know the people over there working with the brand and came up with the idea. They are deep Fortnite play. Like they were in it. Yeah. Immersed. Yep. They were immersed. It wasn't a media buy. It wasn't anything. They just dressed up in a skin that looked like Wendy ish. Right. Yeah. Like a BA, like um, modern Wendy and went in there and started sledgehammering freezers until it picked up attention right until people started asking ah what the heck is going on in here like what what is what is the deal and i still go back to it just because i it, it transcended in a way that i think we can learn a lot 
uh, we can just look, everyone can learn a lot off of a, it doesn't, it doesn't, when you have a good idea and you're immersed and you understand what, where the pains are, where the opportunities are inside of an IP or inside of whatever's going on. Yeah. It's, it's doesn't nest doesn't take millions of dollars in order to get attention. Right. Yeah. I think that that investment is like the time and the people, right? Because, um, just a couple things that are coming to my mind if you're not immersed in the game, right? Because there's a lot of common sense things like people may be listening to this and be like, oh yeah, I know that Wendy's campaign and that made perfect sense. Of course they did that. Well, if you don't, if you aren't immersed in the space, number one, uh, you don't know that there's a avatar that looks like Wendy, right? Yep. You also don't know there's freezers. You probably sure. don't know that you're going around mining or you know sledgehammering a bunch of stuff with with a tool that everybody has right so just the beginning of that idea doesn't even happen if you don't have that understanding and rather than taking that money that would go to a million dollar ad buyer or whatever you can take that money and either hire folks like yourself or others who have this deep understanding right and so it's on the front end rather than the back end and then you enable it to grow yeah. And that's my big thing too, is like, don't start with, it's usually not the best to start with a medium question. They could not, not to say, Hey, we need ads that are going to sell this X. Like that, if we're <laughs> looking into, when you're looking into stepping into a culture, if you can, you, mm. the commitment really needs to be made. And I mean, this is nothing new. This is Nike anywhere. When you start, step into a culture, you make a commitment to to start stepping into a culture, right? Like to be right. able to provide a value to that. And, and we, especially gamers have to understand that you're in that for more than one event, you know, like oh, we're just going to dip our dough in. Yeah. We're going to blow a bunch of money and uh, like plaster our logo everywhere and make this happen. Well, you're it, the commitment is what I don't see. The dollars might be there. It's just, it's really hard for the structure that brands are built on currently, which is campaign focused, just yep. a little bit of behind the scenes, right? It's more like campaign focused. It's like, Hey, I have a big hit for this month or a new sandwich coming out for summertime or whatever it is. It's like the money's wrapped around there and not as much into like the slow drip in the marathon yeah well let me let me be a little devil's advocate here and and get a little knowledge from you on that how do you convince a brand to be committed long term because i i try to see both sides of every issue and so i totally see of course the gamer side of it which is like you need to come and support my space and you know you know be here for the long term but i also see the other side where i'm like okay i got quarterly <laughs> that's right results that i got to show right cmo is probably going to be here two years or less <laughs> and mm-hmm. all these things and so how can you convince a brand like it is worth the long term while also understanding all the other pain points that they need to satisfy at the same time there's two ways. One way would be you got to go over, you got to go higher in the chain. You got to okay. go, you got to go higher in the chain and it's not impossible. It's like the relationships that we've built in, and this is the same when it comes to marketing and advertising in general too, is we the, it, traditional agencies kind of found that like, uh Oh, CMO or the marketing director, or whoever we're kind of talking to is the first person they're very concerned about what's going on this year. Like right now they're concerned in the now, cause that's what their job is to now. And whenever you yeah. start getting up to CMO and CEO, these are where these decisions are made for. Nope. We are, there is a, there needs to be that commitment here. Like mm-hmm. we, we have that done. So my first is always to say, are we talking to the right like, do we understand, like, they have this really big need to sell this sandwich today or sell these things yeah. today? Like, what is driving them and that their bonus? Mm. You know, like, and if it's and if it's not long term vision of the brand or long term brand building or committing to this culture, then need to go see if it can go up into a space where people are 
um, are thinking about that. Like right. what is that more longer term approach to things? And the second, if that isn't the case, if it's like, yeah, good luck. I'm not going to just, I'll call my CEO bat phone of every day. <laughs> Yeah. If that's really it's as you're starting to build those relationships and have those conversations and getting in front of them. The other one, the quicker one is by giving them a right approach to have that easy win, that quit those quick wins. Right. Like mm -hmm. and it is to vote against throwing a tons of dollars fast at one point. Right. right. Like that's what's worked for them in the past. A lot of times to be like, cool, I have this extra half million. Mm hmm. I need to spend it. And it's for easy for us on the other side to be like, we'll take it. Mm -hmm. And then we put it through and, you know, I would rather have 10 smaller things mm. to, to test and learn, to get our kind of sea legs on, on the culture and test some hypothesis. I'd rather have a few smaller things to hit at different times so we can learn right. than that kind of one, Hey, we got a shot. Here's a big bag of money good point well so I, yeah i was just gonna say I, I i so agree with that and you know the more you, you got to put a, enough in so there's going to be a make make an impact right so you have to evaluate is is 10k well let's say yeah is, you know is 10k enough for me to do something here and if i do that 10 times you know i'm accurately spreading that out also with setting expectations right hey your expectation, expectation is to learn we're going to hit something that we can grow on that we can double down on etc but you know seven eight of these things may not all pop off but this is our learning exercise and then once we learn now we're educated right now you're able to really step into and dive into that and then have that longer term strategy but you do need to start with saying guys we need the commitment here. And it sounds like what you're doing there is you're kind of laying out that whole journey, right? Whether that's a two, three year process to say, hey, this is where you will be. But if you want to be here in three years, you've got to do A, B, C, and D before you get to the massive that's sales right. metrics, right? And I would add one more thing to that is that on the other side of it, like... I always am partnerships above sponsorships, right? It's tough because yep. it's like, it's easier to package up a sponsorship and brands will take that. But yeah. the real meat, the stuff you want, isn't going to be, a, it is going to be one. It's going to be something that only that brand and that IP or that space can like bring, right? That's the mm -hmm. good stuff you're wanting for. It won't, it'll be more of a partnership idea than a, than a, than a, here's a bag of money. Um, yeah. put my brand everywhere space, but, um, you know, I feel like as we move into, as we move into, you know, this getting bigger and bigger, like there, you can, you can make these plans. Like you can build these out with these brands to be able to add, add things that you know is going to help sell it in later on. And this mm. is a little bit, this is a little insider baseball too. It's like, do you know what a good case study video or a sizzle video of an event or something will do? And it not externally to, 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 to the, to the gamer or community, but I'm talking about if part of that sponsorship or brand partnership, you're giving them something that they can internally spread. Yeah. You have to think of it in that way. It's like, if you want to make friends with the CEO, make sure that those events you put in budget to say, we're going to put together an edited sizzle. That's basically like your genius. And this right. is, this is, this, this is how the idea worked. And this is how it was great for your brand. And it's going to be a lot easier to sell into that next thing. If you're greasing and properly selling that through speaking their language. Right. I actually think that's a great, uh, nugget of knowledge for especially like esports teams and stuff like that because they typically will struggle with reporting back uh the metrics and the performance that these brands and agencies are used to receiving from traditional sports teams now of course this is improving all the time but sure if you want to speak with someone effectively you have to speak to them in the way that they hear right and the love language of the agency is the sizzle video i mean sure. man i could tell you when i was a 
producer at the marketing arm, you know how many sizzle videos <laughs> I was making? And so typically it's a, it's a client retention process, uh, number one, if you're like with your clients. But number two, if you're trying to like preach the gospel through the agency, if you will, you got to show them in a, a language that they understand. And so it's essentially it's execute, tell people what you did yep. and convince them that we should keep doing this. Right. Because imagine you do a marketing campaign and people are busy. They got more to do than just that. Right. And so all they see is some like high level numbers or maybe sales or whatever. But if you give them this video that has, you know, imagery that gets people hyped on their brand or showing people who are hyped on their brand and all of the numbers, you know, oh, five million social impressions, this, that, you know, everything that you can report back. It's like, wait a minute. If I hadn't seen this video, I wouldn't have fully felt everything that you did but now i can see it's working yeah let's continue to do more of this and guess what that is a perfect thing for that marketing director or cmo to put in their internal like the year in review of what we did right like give them something that they can share and hype themselves in and and here's the best part of this is I know the, the there are, there's nobody better than making content like this than esports teams. Hundred percent. Yeah, they're content creation machines. Machines, and yeah. it's built into the DNA of esports in general, and not just not just somebody who does it on the side, but like into the players themselves, right? Right. Like, so it's like this is such a part of the DNA. It's just really tweaking it and understanding the brand and the position there, and and how ideas and things. Um, work within that structure. So it's yeah. already there. It's like, we just need to add into this, not a, a, a version of this that's highly shareable internally to our sponsors or, you know, or to our brand partners. Yeah, I think that's smart. Not just to call it, but also um, commenting on allocating a little budget for it because it does require budget to do those things. Yeah. And so time you got to justify it internally and so people may overlook that and just say oh yeah of course we'll make a video but when you get down to it you're like we're out of budget for everything and it's not a priority because it hasn't been allocated yeah make it a priority and again probably the biggest thing you're going to take from this hour of us together is like bake it in early and mm. like 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 bring that make sure that you're doing the measure measure twice cut once right mm-hmm. like make sure you're asking those things and building those up from the get so that they can all be included set expectations correctly nobody's feeling like the promises weren't made or anything like that it's all taken care of in that upfront yeah. you're going to have a way better output you know from that yeah and i heard you say something similar too about um like with the metaverse pieces, like building that in early. And so what I'm getting for you is like everything that's important, don't try it to be, don't try to make it a a late add-on because those are the first things to get axed or to say, no, we already planned for this. So really make sure in this pitch or as you're building this plan that these most, the more important parts, which in the past have been viewed as less important, like, oh, the digital strategy, the add-on, no, Make sure that that is part of the very beginning stages of the planning. Yeah, seeing the whole thing as one big picture and has seen it as a relationship that's going to continue, you know, from the very beginning. And I think you bring up a really good point, you know, as we kind of wind this down, it's I know your eyes roll in the gaming community whenever Metaverse probably comes up, right? Like there's there is some... I, I get it because we're there all the time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the gaming world is like, what What are you talking about? Like, do you not yeah. see what's been happening, what we've had for a very, very long time, right? Don't be, don't roll your eyes too hard. Understand that there's a different language that's happening inside brands and, and the business world of going mm-hmm. on. And that is something they're really attaching to right now. Right. So that it is not, what I'm not saying is don't attach and just start selling metaverse, everything, but allow them to understand here's something that their CMO is asking for, or they are getting, you know, mm-hmm. they actually have some push to tell this story, help them understand how gaming gets there. Help them understand how gaming is the on-ramp to the metaverse. And we don't need to, we don't need to jump and make maybe every fast food joint does not need a place 
inside of you know meta's virtual reality world like that doesn't necessarily we maybe don't even want (laughs) that but i am saying like it is our job from that side of the understanding gaming is hey I know you're, that this is kind of the new word for future for, for marketers and brands. Mm-hmm. This is why gaming is that. And yes. this is how we can start planning for that metaverse of a world of brands now. You can get in early. Absolutely. Yeah, what I would add to that is simply, I think what has held back the business side of esports more than anything is the misunderstanding from people who are funding these activities which are sponsors and partners. The number one, number one revenue source in esports is sponsorship, partnership dollars. And the people who are giving that money to you don't know much about it. They just know this is the thing that I've, I'm told is the future. Yeah, and they know that they're consumers. They're, they do know that they, yeah. I mean, their job is to find the market. Right. right. So at the very basic, they do know like time is spent here. Uh, and and attention has been here, and I need to be here. But you're right; that doesn't mean they know any plumbing. That's right, or any backstory. So, what I would encourage my friends who are partnership people in the esports space and similar roles is, we can have a habit of like, you're not cool enough to know this, you know, or like I know this, and you know, kind of throw a little bit sh- of shade on these older people who really don't know what's going on in this world. I would encourage you rather than doing that to learn their language and to communicate what you are doing in the language that they understand. There's so much value in being the translator between two groups of people that struggle to communicate. And when you start communicating, like in this example, hey, you want to be in the metaverse. Let me explain to you how the metaverse is relevant to gaming and how what we've been doing over the last decade is very similar to what you see about the metaverse. And then you're going to get people listening and then you're going to get some dollars your way. Yeah. And and, and it's going to be in a way, I mean, that's the secret of my career. It's been the API between different, those two different worlds. Right. And my whole world unlocked and pop marketer really came into fruition and started rocking and rolling when I was like, why aren't my ideas? My ideas are rad. I'll go into a room and present them. I know they're a killer. Why aren't they taking play? Like, Mm -hmm. why aren't they selling through? Mm -hmm. Right. And really when it came down to it is like when I hit the unlock button was when I figured out I have to talk business, I have to, that's right. It can't just be rad. Rad will get the, like, we'll get the emotional cook and they'll want to buy it. Yep. But you have to pull it through. So from that instant on, the more I learned on like, okay, what are they asking for? What does their brand need? What are those things that are really those things that are going to catch their attention and help them? They've already emotionally hooked on the cool idea. Now I have to get them to, like the money is going to come in and they're going to be like, dude, uh, this is a right idea, but I'm, I don't want to get in trouble or I don't want to (laughs) have it not go anywhere. And you need, the more you can put that, those pieces bullet and make your ideas bulletproof through that. And your sponsorships bulletproof in that way, you're just going to sell it to sell it through more. And you don't have to sell out. You don't have to, that idea is still the, the main the hero and like the cool stuff that we do. We just have to do that extra mile to help, bridge into two different languages to your point yeah utilize those marketing skills that you're using to engage the audience use those in the reverse to engage that cmo and that agency brand team to buy into what you're selling um to wrap this up joe i we could talk forever obviously but i i so appreciate you being here how can people follow you pop marketing and the pop marketing podcast in the ways that you'd like them to yeah sure you can uh hit pop marketer up in about anywhere and find me pop-marketer.com if you want to learn a little bit more and check out the pop marketing podcast again pretty much anywhere 
you want to uh, um, the, anywhere you'd listen to podcasts. And honestly, what I do is I have people that, you know, from, from thinkers and makers inside of brands that utilize popular culture, yeah. Uh, yeah. as well as fandoms and people that study uh, the scholars that study fandom in the different parts of popular culture to kind of learn how you can kind of utilize it for whatever you do. So I really think it's more about getting a wider breadth of understanding kind of of popular culture and and merging with commerce and 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 branding in general. And I try to give people a pretty good uh, array of different brushes and minds to think of. So if your thing's just gaming, awesome. I would tell you come check out a few episodes and see what you can learn from the world of comics or see what you can learn from you know, Hollywood and in different spaces that you can steal and, and bring into your own, uh, into your own thinking. Absolutely. We've got all these, uh, areas of fandom that are overlapping or parallels and we can all learn from each other and we all collab to do things better together than apart. Well, Joe Cox, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing all of your knowledge and your experience today on the DLC drop podcast. It was as magical as I thought it would be. Dude, always such a pleasure um, chatting it up with you. And uh, um, yeah, I, I really, really pumped to uh, be able to talk to everybody in your audience and looking forward to next time. Heck yeah. Let's do it again soon. Thank you for listening to the DLC Drop Podcast. This podcast is part of the Esports Future I Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review.